Hello, welcome to Breaking the Mold, a podcast from the National Precast Concrete Association. I'm your host, Joe Frollo, Director of Communications and Public Affairs at NPCA. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing and communication strategies that anyone can do. First, I'll be talking with Abby Sprung and Alyssa Costanza from EZG Manufacturing. Later on in the show, Tom Rodak and Heather Bremer will talk about what we're doing here at NPCA and how we're here to help our members along these lines. Let's get started. Hey, Abby. Hey, Alyssa. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Good morning. Hey, Joe. Today, we're going to be talking about some basic marketing and communications things that any NPCA member can do. I know not all companies are lucky enough to have two people like you to run these programs. Some of them, you know, the owners, operators have to do it themselves, run their social media, communicate with traditional media and, you know, whatever else comes along. But I really think the number one step that everyone can do is establishing your brand identity through consistency. I can't tell you how many times I'll see a different logo in a different color with a different little tweak. Let's start out by just talking about how consistency and, and establishing a voice and establishing a brand really helps your company when it comes to being recognized on first glance. Excellent point. I think that visual consistency is equally important to a brand as is message consistency. And I know that Alyssa and I have lots of conversations about how we can sort of set set that, what our message is for one, but make sure that it's carried out, you know, across platforms and you take into account that everybody is going to receive, whether it's your visual brand or your audible brand, or they're going to receive it in a different space and time. So consistency is certainly going to be key and you can't take for granted that it's going to always be an ideal situation. So meeting them where they are is important, I think. Yeah. And uh, on the EVG side, you know, we have, we were lucky enough to establish a very obvious color for our equipment. And that color is often referenced for customers, whether new or existing recurring customers. They know EVG's equipment is orange. So when at a trade show when, you know, simply pulling the trailer of equipment down the road, you know, they, they see the color, they see that it's EVG because of this bright orange equipment. So having established that, obviously we're, you know, we, we weren't part of the establishing partners of this organization, but they chose an orange color for a reason because it stands out in doing so that helps to establish our brand. You know, now that people know us for orange and they're knowing us for, you know, people see the hog you see on our embroidery, on our clothing. We have one type of logo we use for clothing. Uh, it's the only logo that's used for clothing. We, we don't often switch it up. We want to stay consistent. And as we've grown as a company, we've, we've transitioned through a few different phases where it was easy, easy grout corp. And then that was incorporated now into EZG manufacturing because we've expand, expanded our, our brand, our offerings, and that easy EZG has followed us kind of through time and has transformed to now we're starting to realize customers refer to us as just simply EZG. So we're listening to our customers too and bouncing off of the brand that they're kind of making for us. So 
with our company, it's different. We've been, you know, in business for 20 plus years, but someone that's a little newer, establishing what your brand, your logo, your colors, maybe even a slogan that you're using, stay consistent. So then people start to recognize, you know, it takes a few times for you to see a car commercial to then start seeing the vehicles out. Your customers need to see you consistently time and time again for it to stick. And then they'll start to recognize you more frequently. That's that's a great point because I think, you know, the golden arches or the swoosh, you know, all companies want to get there and not many will. But when you see those things, you know exactly what the brand means, what they offer, you know, your comfortability with it. When you see that orange equipment with EZG, like you mentioned, that you may be at a show and, oh, I didn't even know EZG was here. Let's stop by and talk to them. You'll see, you know, the piece of equipment or, or the logo from across the room. And, and that's just a great way to bring it together. Yeah. And I just wanted to add, I was listening to Alyssa talk there, and I think there's two situations that happen where that breakdown begins sometimes is that when you have an internal team like we have, you're dealing with the same logo, the same colors, the same message all the time. And it's, it's easy to get fatigue and maybe fall into this desire to want to switch it up. You have to remember you're seeing it in a saturated sense. And not everybody's seeing everything that you produce. And then on the flip side, if you don't have an internal team, if you're not providing a very solid standards manual or guide for somebody to utilize your materials, you're leaving yourself open for them to put their spin on it. Because everybody at the end of the day wants a little ownership, I'm sure. But those are two places where the equity or the consistency of a brand can start to diminish. And then here at NPCA, and I'm sure you guys do something like this too, not just the brand and the look, but I think Alyssa mentioned the words that you use should be consistent. We we craft talking points so that like if an interview pops up or if an opportunity to speak publicly pops up, there are phrases and there are messages that we want to deliver every time we talk. And those are things that you can do ahead of time. You know, the local TV news may not be knocking on a, on a member's door every week or every month or whatever, but there will be opportunities that just spring up at times. Maybe you're at a, speaking to a Little League fundraiser or just kind of out and about and, and you're talking to someone about your business. Those I, ideas and those ideals that your company strives for are good to put down on paper so that you're communicating consistently that way as well. Yeah, and documentation is key too, especially for smaller teams or teams that don't exist and somebody else is handling it where their their expertise is not marketing. Document what you have so then if you do, you know, as you grow, you're going to grow multiple facets of your organization and you may add a marketing team one day. Put that down on paper. And that's something that even as established as, as we are in some of our, our spaces, we've been working to build a brand guideline so then anyone, whether we work with a third-party vendor or somebody new comes on the team, these are standards, even if it's a one-sheet piece of paper, just that you jotted down on your own just to kind of tuck away that you've got that somewhere that's documented. Then those words and those phrases too translate really well to uh, social media and your website and to other places like that where you can continue those consistent messages and bring forward what it is that your company is about and what you deliver and what you promise to your customers. I think something I've heard a lot in my career, well, maybe just because of the benefit of where I early days of my career, my, my boss at the time used to always say that marketing starts from the inside out. 
So you've got to get your team on board with what you're saying and how you're saying it. And then it will push itself out the door, but it really begins inside. And I think that's important to remember as well. Speaking of social media, I truly believe that you should live in the world that you're comfortable in. If your 20-year-old niece is your social media director because, you know, she loves to do it, or if your nephew, if he loves to do it, and he wants to be on TikTok, and he wants to be on Instagram, and he wants to be on something more visual, be there. If you're more, more comfortable on LinkedIn or on Facebook, you know, be there. Start with where you understand the communication that goes on there, because they really all do function differently. You can't just copy and paste the same thing to Twitter that you can to something else. Have you guys found that to be your experience? Most definitely. I think one key factor to, to navigating social media successfully is understanding your customers and where they're consuming that media. It's great to have a footprint on all these pages, Facebook, have a Facebook, have an Instagram. We've even claimed some other social our, our channel, but we're not ready to jump into that yet, but we've claimed it. So great to have a footprint, but if you are, you're, you're manning your, your organization and you know your customers on LinkedIn, it's not going to hurt you to post on Facebook just so people can see that you are active and a legitimate organization, but that you, you're not going to waste too much time spending effort where your customers are not spending their time and being conscious of when you're engaging on those channels. Each social platform has a different timeline or time frame during the day and throughout the week where activity is more prevalent. So there are tools, easily searchable social media scheduling tools and things like that you can pick from to post. All right, I know that my customers are probably scrolling late Sunday night or really, really, really early in the morning as they're getting ready for work, whatever that might be. There are options now where you can schedule posts or even, you know, you're up, share, share a piece of information that you might find relevant where your, your connections will also be. Yeah, we found that here at NPCA as well. I oversee the Precast Express email newsletter that, that some of our listeners may get on a weekly basis. And after a lot of testing, a lot of back and forth, we found that 6 a.m. on a Thursday morning, is the ideal time to communicate with our members because they're having their cup of coffee, they're getting ready to start their day. Once the sun's up and once the day really starts, they're too busy to, to be looking at email and to doing stuff like that. you got to get them, like you said, really, really early or even Sunday night, the, the, the night before they're getting ready for their work week. I was just going to say, my, my experience um, in marketing started in email. And that's one thing that uh, hasn't really changed all that much throughout my time in the industry is the date in which most or time in which most people are engaging with with email specifically that tends to be you know tuesday wednesday thursday early morning tends to be a, a ticket to high open rate i think one of the things to be aware of is the, who's generating the the messaging for each of those platforms. It's been my experience, not just at EZG, but with other companies or clients in the past that finding someone to bolt onto your team or work with, consult with on that messaging to keep it authentic for that audience, especially like you said, Joe, is do what you're comfortable in. And if you have a space that, that you really, really know, but you're not sure how people, for, for example, TikTok is 
you know, it's very new and up and coming and Instagram, it's just a different audience. So sometimes, and, and we've done this on our team is, is we'll consciously choose to partner with the younger writers to compose our message in a younger voice to meet the audience in that space. So to keep it authentic, it's really important that it be authentic in those spaces. Good point, Abby. And where we talked about consistency and brand and, and in phraseology and messaging, I think with social media, consistency means if you're going to dive into that world, you have to do it on a regular basis. Maybe not daily, but at least weekly or a couple of times a week. Show one of your projects or you know, get out to, to a site where, where your equipment's being used or you're doing the installation and show people what you're doing out there and just kind of stay top of mind because it's easy to get lost and get buried if you go weeks or months between posting. Right. And to your earlier point, you don't have to post multiple times a day. You're, you know, companies that do that have full social media teams. If, if that's not possible, don't try to force it because you'll easily burn yourself out trying to find the content that you're going to post. Turning to more traditional media, how, how does EZG handle your media relations when it comes to the more traditional press like newspapers or TVs or uh, you know, podcasts and the emer some of the emerging media that way too? I found that with companies letting the local business section in your of your newspaper know, or even communicating with NPCA through our people and product sections, there's ways to get your company's name out there, be it with new products, emerging projects, hirings, promotions, things like that. You can get your company's name in the news so that people are seeing it and talking about it and realizing it in ways that are free. You don't have to pay for advertising this way. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think we could do better at that, but uh, the challenge, and I think this is probably true of this, this industry in general, is it's somewhat of a niche. And when you think of media, you don't generally tend to think of local paper or those outlets that you just mentioned. It's really easy to overlook the obvious. So I think, yeah, it's important to tell the local space and, and not underestimate the the power of communication i mean you can't take for granted what people are doing on a day-to-day -day. like the and i think our company is a funny example in that just we are a small town and word travels fast just because there might be a dozen last names that make up half the county and Alyssa could probably attest to that she comes from the outside i've been here some time but you know the, it's funny how that just, we just expect it to travel by word of mouth. But I, I, and these people are all over the country doing business every day. So you can't, you can't overlook that space. And, and I think everybody could probably do better. And we sometimes get distracted with all this newfangled outlets that we have. Like my college and my high school both have quarterly magazines where they'll have a little note section in the back of the, the edition where it just says, hey, Joe Frollo was promoted to XYZ position at this company. Something as simple as that and just getting into the routine of doing that can kind of open the door to other opportunities, I think, with with just communicating with traditional media and, and again, spreading your brand and spreading that you care about your employees. Because when the employees see that in their high school alumni magazine, they know that you took a few minutes out of your day to let them know. Now, you may have to you know, communicate with your employees and, and find out where they went to school or, or if they went to college and where they went. 
But like you said, Abby, with with uh, with a smaller town, your a lot of your traditional workers probably came from the high schools in and around the area where I don't know if your local business section in the newspaper does something like that too. When I was in newspapers, we had a section in our business every Wednesday where it was just a rundown of promotions and hirings and new things that were going on at, at our local companies just to sort of close the loop and in part to appease our advertisers. But that's what they're trying to do with you too is newspapers need advertisers and they need to communicate. They need to sell subscriptions. So they want to work with you. I do find that a lot of the media that we have dealt with across the different industries, they're, everyone's hungry for good content. And if I could make a recommendation, it would be whenever you have a new product or there's an event, start with a well-written article, whether it's for a press release or not. Have someone sit down and do the work of writing because that content can be repurposed in so many ways that it's one of the best investments you'll make with any marketing effort you have is to get the content laid out early. Yeah. And, and that's what I was going to actually transition into next. That's a great point, Abby, is that let the marketing build upon itself in that you don't have to rewrite a press release every time you send it out. You may just be changing you know, the product's name and its description and maybe a couple of details within it, but there should be like whole sentences and even whole paragraphs where you talk about your company that you can use over and over and over again. And likewise, look what other companies are doing too and steal from them. It's okay. You know, marketing is sort of a free for all. There's, there's with, you know, it's not like there's a strong copyright on a lot of this stuff, but if someone's doing something that you like in traditional media or something that you like on social media, put your own spin on it and do it yourself too. And I think it's also important when you're going to go to the work of writing the content or establishing that foundational bundle of information about whatever you're talking about is to have a system for keeping it within your team's access. One of the things that I know Alyssa and I worked really, really hard at when we first started working together was establishing a way to be able to track and find our content easily, regardless of whether I was looking for it or she was looking for it or a videographer was looking for it. We had to have a good system for capturing it so that so that it we weren't always trying to rewrite it from the beginning that you have to be able to find it, you know? So having a catalog system or a way to position that so that the team can access it easily is really important. And then that brings it all back around again to what we were talking about too. And, and a little bit of telling people how the sausage is made here at NPCA and at EZG and other places, those press releases that you write, those photos that you take to send to social media, all those things can come back on your website and be the exact same content. And it all sort of feeds its others. So it's not like you're building a social media plan, a website plan, a press release plan, things like that. They can all sort of copy and feed off each other. And that and that will help ease the time constraints and uh, the, the struggle maybe if that's not where your wheelhouse is, you can at least do it once and then share it over multiple avenues. Well, and two, by doing that, you're not altering that material too much that you're further placing the foundation for your brand by people seeing common messaging, common photographs, common video, and back to the way that you most commonly refer to your company. 
Oh, I was just going to say that one voice, you know, getting what that voice is, kind of getting it set. And and I think that's what Alyssa is referring to is like once you capture that, then even regardless of who's picking up and running with it, there's that undertone or that voice that is your company, you know, that people are familiar with the way that you talk about product or topics. And in the world of apps and software that we work in, there's there's a lot of things out there to make your job easier to to sort of ease that transition for for a minimal investment to to increase your footprint and to get your message out there on a regular basis. I think it's important always. I would just I think encourage people. There's a lot of really great tools and resources out there for you to work smarter, not harder, and really examine what how your team works and find the product that is going to work with you, you know, in terms of just your digital asset management platform or how you're going to track the work that you're doing. There's social media schedulers. There's so many choices out there and you know what works for you needs is going to be different from what works from someone else. But I just think don't forget that those tools are out there. It's funny, we live in a digital world, but sometimes people forget to keep looking and seeing how all those tools are continually advancing and you always gotta, like I said, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, so I add a little bit too that with the nearly endless supply of apps or tools out there, it's really easy to get caught up in the newest greatest items just you know uh, we spoke earlier do what you're comfortable with try you know you, the last thing you want to do especially if you're a really small team or if you don't have a marketing team and you're doing this on your own just you know the basics you want website you want a presence on google you want social media you don't have to bite off too much because then you're going to end up maybe taking on a little too much and then that's when you haven't posted in a few months on social media or, you know, other things get pushed to the side because there's so many marketing tools and communication methods out there that it's really easy to get overwhelmed. But just have fun with it. That's great advice, Alyssa. Well, Abby, Alyssa, thanks again for sharing a couple minutes in your, your day with us. I, I know everybody's busy and we always appreciate the time. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting us. Uh, really great to speak with you today. Thank you. Hiring, training, and retaining employees is a major challenge for every industry, including precast. MPCA is giving you the tools to meet the challenge head-on with an exciting new program designed to give your new hires a head start. With MPCA's onboarding program, you can introduce new employees to your organization's expectations, behaviors, and culture while providing training and motivation for them to become a productive member of the team. To learn more, visit precast.org backslash onboarding and take the first step toward moving from employee seeker to employee keeper. Morning, Tom. Great to be talking to you today. Good morning, Heather. Thanks for having me on today. All right, we're going to talk today about marketing strategies that work for manufacturers and kind of get into some little higher level things once you've established your basics, what you can do to help promote yourself and your company. So Tom, what are the basic things that people need to have to start with before we get into those deeper elements? 
Well, I think before you get into the tactical side of marketing, you really need to look at, you know, who you're going after and what you're trying to accomplish. So understand your markets, where, what segments of your market, what customer segments are growing, which aren't, and make sure you're focusing on the growth areas. Um, you also want to learn, you want to stay really in touch with your customers. Customer satisfaction surveys are huge. Uh, you can set these up. I mean, SurveyMonkey is about $25 a month. So it's easy to do a customer satisfaction survey. And then you can really understand how you're different and why people do business with you. And that really serves to, the, to develop your value proposition. So start with market feedback. Get feedback from your customers and suppliers so you understand where the opportunities are and why they do business with you. After you do those surveys, how do you utilize them? I think, well, the survey data, I mean, you can use it a number, number of different ways, right? There, one, you can, I like to use it year over year to track my progress. So once you do your survey and you identify key areas of improvement, then you focus your strategies on those areas. So if your customer says, hey, you know, you kind of surprise me when you show up on site. I don't have enough communication. You say, okay, well, we're going to improve communication. So then you track that and incentivize it year over year. So you're proving the things you want to improve uh, and focusing where the effort needs to be. Beyond the surveys, what are some things that you can do that are going to generate results for your company um, and give your people outside of your company access to see what you do? I think, you know, in preparing for this uh, podcast, I look back at my long marketing career of 25 years plus and try to pull out, and most of my background is in manufacturing. So I pulled out some of the key things that, that were most effective during the course of my career thus far. Uh, plant tours are always huge. Never underestimate the fact that your plant is your largest, your biggest selling point. Um, so that's key. And whether you're doing in-person tours, if you can't get them to the plant, take the plant to them. Do a virtual video tour. Uh, those are big. Product demos are fantastic. They really engage with your audience, and those can be either on-site, they could be at a trade show, or they could be at you know one-minute, two-minute video of you know one of your engineers standing next to a process or a product talking about it. Lunch and learn programs are great. Invite your customers in, teach them about what you do and how you do it better than others. That's always great. Another thing I like to focus on truly really referrals. Referrals are huge. Have your customers introduce you to other potential customers. And then to tie on to that, case studies and testimonials work fantastic, right? That's instant credibility and it lets you let your customers sell for you. So that way, instead of you saying I'm great, your customers are saying you're great. Yeah, there's a lot of good tools out there to have your customers do that for you, um, either through social media. There are video tools that you can have them log in and record their testimonial right there. And then you have it to share on your website. And it's, you know, it's key to have those on your website so that people see that if they're coming to look up who you are right away, they see other people saying, yeah, this is a great company to do business with. Absolutely. And it's to your point, it's so easy today with the technology we have to, to turn those on out very quickly. If I look at another thing, you know, events are always big. I know we're in a digital world. A digital will enhance your in-person events, right? So it doesn't replace them. I think especially in manufacturing, it's important to have open houses, to be at, at trade shows that make sense for your business. Um, and then, of course, MPCA has its annual precast days, which is a national event. Taking advantage of that really helps you, you know, you get the power not only all the support from MPCA with support tools, social media, uh, digital assets, you know, ads and things that you could repurpose and use yourself to promote what you're doing. You also get the national benefit of what we're doing to bring awareness and attention to the industry. So that's something I encourage people to look into. 
Yeah, I think when we're looking at the manufacturing industry, that part of key of marketing is understanding your audience and understanding that manufacturing is hands-on. And so events are key to get getting people to know who you are, know what you're about to see and touch your products, and not just see a picture on a website. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so events are big. I think the next thing I really like to focus on, and this obviously requires, you know, strong alignment with your sales team, but it's, you know, create account-based marketing or key accounts. So when you get those referrals and you've gone through your market data, you say, I want to do business with these X number of companies. Then you can just really focus on marketing to those companies because they're going to provide a bigger return versus the kind of spray and pray method where you're just throwing an ad out there and you don't know who's going to respond or what's going to, or anything's going to happen, right? So um, I like to be very uh, focused on key accounts. Well, I think the next point we get into uh, is digital marketing. And that's such a big part of what everyone does now. And you can't ignore it. I mean, I think a lot of people would love to because it does involve some knowledge and expertise, but uh, it's definitely not something you can ignore in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Digital marketing is digital anymore. That's <laughs> If you're not digital, you're really not marketing. Um, and like I said before, it doesn't, it enhances your in-person events and marketing programs. So it's, it doesn't replace it. It's just an enhancement to it. But it is, you know, that is changing. Yet. According to Forrester Research, you know, 60, the, the buyer is already 67% of the way through their buying process before they even reach out to a sales rep. So that just speaks to how important your website is and how important it is to deliver the right message right out of the gate so they know, hey, this is a viable supplier. I need to keep them on my, you know, my short list. So it's important that you have a strong and accurate digital presence. And that starts with the website. Like you said, um, it needs to tell who you are, what you do, what you have available, how to get a hold of you. I've run into a lot of websites where the contact information is so buried, you can't find it. I'm like, so why do you even have a website if you don't give people a way to contact you? So what do you think are the other keys that people need to think about when they're thinking about building a website? I think as you get into the website, you know, you need to, there's four elements to focus on. Make it fast, uh, right? I think it, I think this is, a, this is a cool statistic. You essentially have three seconds. So 53% of visits are abandoned if a mobile site takes longer than three seconds to load. And that, that applies to desktop too, right? So your site's got to be fast. It's got to be mobile. It's got to be secure. Uh, and make it a good experience. You know, make it visually appealing and easy to use. Uh, less is more, in my opinion, for a website standpoint. Make sure the content you have on there is valuable and appropriate. Something, you know, because you don't want too much content on there. Clear calls to action. Make it interactive to your point. If I want to quote and I'm in a hurry or I want to get this process started, have a, yeah, have a quote functionality there. Um, or a contact us to your point because you want to make sure, hey, if I'm ready to, to make that decision now and engage with someone that, that they can easily do it through your website. So I think those are four, you know, kind of the general rules from that standpoint. Yeah, I would probably add one more thing into those rules uh, as a designer. Have someone else look at it before you go live. If you're building it yourself, which is a, there are a lot of tools to do that. You can use Wix, you can use Foursquare. It's fairly cheap to maintain that way. They have all the pieces and tools that you can put it together yourself, but have somebody else look at it before you go live. Make sure that you can read the text 
because a lot of people will put white text on yellow or orange and it just, you can't read it. So make sure you're building a website that not only has all the information, but that when somebody opens it up, isn't going to go, oh yeah, I can't look at that anymore because mine blind now. So I think, you know, have somebody look at it, make sure you're good to go on that end uh, or you'll turn people off right away. When you're building a website, you know, homepage is first thing people are going to see. What are some of those essential elements that you've got to have on there to make sure people are getting what they need? I think as you, as you look at the homepage, and obviously websites continue to evolve in terms of design, but there's still the core information you have to have there. So first, a clear dis description of who you are and what you do. I mean, as soon as they hit the homepage, they sh you know, that person should know what you do. Obviously, contact information, as we've talked about, make sure it's right there front and center. And this is also an opportunity to showcase some projects or customer testimonials. Again, right out of the gate, as soon as they hit the homepage, they see one of your major customers saying good things about you. That's fantastic. Also, resources and content. Like, if you have things that will help your customers do business more efficiently or smarter, make those resources available to them. You know, it's 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 one of those things that will keep them coming back to your site. Even if they don't buy right away, they'll still be used to coming to your site for information they need to do the job. And then make sure there are calls to action throughout so they don't, they're not, there's always a chance for them to engage with you. I think those are kind of the, some of the keys from the home, home page standpoint. So calls to action, I think in very marketing speak. So what, what do you define as a call to action? Call to action. So some examples would be a request quote, contact us, pretty simple stuff, right? And anything, download a white paper, watch the video, things like that. Action oriented things that provide some type of payoff or, or value to them. So good point. It does get a little marketing steep. <laughs> you know, I think everybody's seen Read More or Contact Us. I found a great resource earlier this year that was ways to get people to take action that aren't necessarily those words we see over and over again. Uh, and the one thing that they emphasized was make it sound like something they really want to do. They used an example of sleep number beds when they're advertising, when they have things that they want people to click, click on, instead of saying, send me emails or read more, it says, help me sleep better. Uh, so when you're thinking about things and selling your product, think about what action you actually want the person to take or that the person wants to take. Um, they want to have a better concrete mix or they want to have forms that are going to strip clean every time. Um, so think about those words when you're creating those calls to action. Uh, so calls to action, like you said, I think those are fantastic ideas and, and really have an impact, right? So uh, help me install my products faster. It's help me cure products faster. Those types of things I think really connect, you know, make sure you're speaking directly to your buyers from that standpoint. But before we get into more of the digital elements, I want to go back to developing a website. So many of us are teams of one. Um, in manufacturing, unfortunately, a lot of situations, that's the case of there's just, you know, a couple people, that, you know, limited resources, but you don't have to spend a fortune for a website, right? I mean, there are do-it-yourself website builders out there, and you mentioned them earlier, Wix, Squarespace, even GoDaddy. If you're doing e-commerce with parts and things like that, look at Shopify or, or Square Online, and these can range anywhere from 25 to $45, right? And it's all drag and drop. So you don't have to be a designer. There's templates. It's low cost, but it doesn't cost a lot to get in the game and have a quality website. Uh, if you need help, you know, hire an agency or a freelance developer. You've got groups out there like Upwork, TopTal, Freelancer, 
where you can go on, look at someone's work, see their hourly rate, and then hire them online, and they'll do work for you that way. So very low cost, which is a great way. You can give referrals. So who else have they worked with? I mean, they're set up in a way where you can have confidence in the freelancer you're hiring and very cost-effectively get your website developed or Kelsen will help you. Uh, and then another way is just reach out to a local college and university. You know, there are students out there trying to build portfolios showing their de design work. So it helps them and it helps you. So it's another resource uh, our folks should look at. So now you've built your website and you have that established. How do you, can, else can you use the website and the data that you can collect from your website to help drive your business? I think, yeah. So if you look at all of, if, if you approach your website, when you look at your digital strategy, consider your website the core. Everything, even your non-digital, non your more traditional print advertisements, everything leads back to your website. So obviously that's first and foremost. Your email marketing ties to that. Your social media ties to that. Your display advertising, everything you're doing, trade shows, everything ties to the website. So I think you need to keep that in mind. But as you start to get into looking at, say, your site analytics, some of the things I look at, make sure, and obviously with some of these website builders, Google Analytics is already built in. So you don't have to, you don't have to be a, an IT professional to be able to do this stuff, right? It's just click the button. They made it really easy. Some of the website metrics I like to look at are sessions. Okay. So how many sessions per month are, are taking place and sessions are the total, you know, that could be different users. It could be the same user. It's a combination of folks. So it really gives you visibility in terms of how many people are, are actively engaging with your website. Uh, users, now that gives you kind of a unique look. So now how many unique or how many individuals are coming to my website? Every month? And that's a good gate. You know, that's a great gauge in terms of measuring first-time users. Am I really growing new users or am I bringing back existing users more frequently? And that's, that's a strategy you got to decide on what you want to do there. Um, average session duration really tells you how engaged people are and how much they're looking at. Uh, traffic by source is another thing to look at because you want to know what's driving traffic to your website. And then if you can, make more of an investment in those sites to, to, to increase your traffic. Most visited pages will tell you what are the most popular things people are looking at. You know, you have a website out there for a year and realize, hey, these pages have never been hit, so it's time to get rid of them and build, you know, in other areas. And then finally, it's bounce rate. And bounce rate just says, who came to my website just left immediately. And that just says maybe a search engine sending the wrong kind of traffic to your website. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does help you gauge, is the traffic being sent to my site relevant? And one of the ways you can help that is search engine optimization. And essentially, that's just making sure the right words are on your pages. And in most web pages have builders built in that will help you push that CEO and make sure you have or SEO and have the, the right keywords, the right phrases, the right description in the metadata so that when Google is sweeping your pages and picking those up, it's pulling the right kind of people to them. Google ad buys is another way to try to draw people in. So you need to have those keywords and things set up correctly in your SEO uh, so you're getting the right kind of people because you don't want people from other sections coming to your website and then kicking right off because then your bounce rate is horrible. Absolutely. Which is why it's there, right? It helps yeah. you know, hey, this is working or it isn't. And I think when you develop that keyword list, it's not only important to, to develop it kind of internally, but also with your customers. So as for customers, if you were looking for my services, what would you search for? 
So I have them give you the keywords because you'd be surprised that you think people search for you this way and in reality, they're searching for you completely differently. So you want to understand the keywords that, that he or she would use to, to find you and what you do. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the key secrets to successful marketing is I think we always think of marketing as how we're talking to the customers, which it is, but it also involves talking to them and have them talk back to you about what they need and what they want. And then you can figure out how to talk back to them. So I, I think that's a key element. You know, bounce rates are a great way, like I said, to measure, you know, somebody is, are the right people coming to your site? So if your bounce rate's high, you know that, hey, for some reason, the search engines are sending the wrong people to my site. So I need to, I, I need to look at that. Let's look at beyond search engines. Let's look at other ways that we can drive traffic to your website. Uh, email marketing is one of the easiest ways. I recommend if you don't do either a monthly or quarterly customer e-newsletter, do it. You know, just a way to keep customer, keep your name in front of customers. Let them know if you're opening new plans, adding new products, hiring new people, winning awards. You know, keep them involved in your business and push that out to them through email. I think that's that's key. And again. With the different types of email marketing platforms out there, you're talking, you know, less than $50 a month. Uh, now, if the more sophisticated you get, the more things you want to do, obviously it costs more. But for fundamental, just getting, you know, communications to your customers on a regular basis, it's cheap and doesn't take a lot of time. Again, most of those are drag and drop, fill in the blank things that make it really easy to build. Yeah, absolutely. The email templates are nice and graphic. You know, they're out of your text-based email. They're nice, graphic, and they're all template-based. So it's easy to build something that reflects your brand and that will catch someone's eye and engage with the content. So good stuff there. And obviously, and again, with those, you know how many people received your email. You know how many people opened it. And you know how many people clicked on different parts of your email. So you can gauge what's, what's attracting people or are they interested in. So again, uh, you know, it was just... You know, the new technology is awesome for marketers because we can measure everything. And I would say don't get discouraged if you look at that click rate and it's low because it's going to be. That's just the fact of marketing. Not everybody's going to open them. You know, you have emails in your inbox that you delete without even looking at. But you never know who might open it. And that that's why we send them. Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you go on Google and put uh, email open rates. There are so there's so much data out there and benchmark data on different industry segments and what could tell they can tell you what good looks like. Right. And now ultimately you ought to decide that yourself, but at least you have you kind of understand what other companies are getting with their email marketing programs. So that's that's a, a very good point. And then I think the other part, you know, is social. I think a lot of times manufacturers, manufacturing marketers get caught up in all the consumer based social media marketing. Mm -hmm. And then there's a pretty fine line between the two, right? I think with my take on social media is focus on the social media platforms that your customers use. So understand what they're using. Obviously, LinkedIn for us is a big one, all professionals based. But you have, you know, I've heard more and more that a lot of contractors will go to Instagram for content. Now, that's just anecdotal from one of my classes. I heard that a couple of people told me that they're finding more and more contractors are engaging through Instagram. So I think you got to understand, again, back to your audience, what do they use, and then focus on those channels. Yeah, it, Instagram is interesting in that, you know, it started out as this tool where people posted pictures of what they had for lunch and pretty sunset photos and their pets. And it's really evolved into a marketplace where brands are selling their shoes and their purses and their clothing. Um, artists are selling their art. Um, their paintings, 
Uh, so it's really evolved into a marketplace where there are places for manufacturers and for people who sell products uh, in that area. You also have video and you have reels and they can see it working and that draws eyes. They can or they can see you pouring it and going through your processes and that gives them a better idea of what you're doing and who you might be working with. It also shows them that you are up to date on technology and moving forward uh, with platforms that you might not normally associate with manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as we get into, you look at the different social media sites, I'm like, forget about Facebook. In my past experience, Facebook was always a great way to reach employees. You know, it was really, that's where my employees were engaged and commented on things. You know, some customers we get, but for the most part, it was employee-based. Most customers interacted through LinkedIn uh, and Instagram as well. Uh, and there are lots of others, obviously. You've got Twitter and TikTok and Pinterest, but you really just need to focus on, find out what your customer you're using and focus on those. Don't overcomplicate it. You know, TikTok's still evolving, but it's still very consumer-based. You know, it's still a lot of the content. I think that'll evolve over time. But like I said, it focus on what you know your customers are using. Yeah, Facebook is a great place for that employee community. And that's where you put your work anniversaries. That's where you put your accomplishments. If you have a master precaster, celebrate it on Facebook. If you have a company picnic, post a bunch of pictures. Um, that builds employee loyalty and builds that sense of community within your plant um, so that your employees feel like one family, feel like you're together, and that you're celebrating their accomplishments in a very public way. And then LinkedIn, I've I've really been surprised about how active our LinkedIn has been in the short time that I've been here. Uh, but it's really where we found a lot of people sharing our resources, our education pieces, events, but it's also a great place to make those connections with people that you may not have met face-to-face -face with, but they know this person, I've worked with this person, and you make that connections and you might be able to do business if you have something they're looking for. You know, and then all the new platforms, there is a whole community on TikTok uh, that's hashtag concrete life, but it isn't necessarily to do business. You know, I recommend checking it out just because it's fun to watch. Uh, it's a lot of plant employees who are sharing their daily business, what they do, um, pouring things in molds, uh, finishing products and things like that. So it's just a fun little corner, but it's not necessarily where you want to go do your business. Right. Maybe not the place to make it. Absolutely. But you brought up a good point. Now, I think you, you need to really think about, you know, let's talk about post frequency and, and post types. So what do I want to post on social media? Now, obviously, this goes back to your strategy. You know, some of the things you could do, new products and services, and you mentioned some of these before, plan openings, awards, events, anything you're doing in your local community, uh, new employees and open positions are great. And I think be creative. You know, anything that illustrates what you do and how you do it better makes good content and post types. What do you think about frequency? So from a manufacturer standpoint, how often should I be posting? That's a good question because that's that's the question when it comes down to social media. How much am I flooding my timelines with what I'm posting? I think you just have to get a good feel for how often your audience might be online uh, in social media. I know a lot of people would say, oh, you got to post Monday through Friday at least once a day. I would say that's a good place. Maybe for your audience might be too much. Three times a week might be enough. I wouldn't do more than twice a day 
on any network. Um, it's unless it's from an event that you're hosting and you have fo- lots of photos and lots of video. Those will get more engagement. But uh, if it's a static post that's a graphic that we're doing this and it's not from a live event, I would say, you know, once a day is a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I think you got to, to your point, you just get started. You know, set your goals small and see what happens because uh, it's going to vary by business. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, start out with a, with a low number, whether it's once a day or once a week, you know, as long as you're engaging and be creative, try new things and see what happens, but have fun with it and then measure what's happening and, and best for there. Be cognizant of when your people will be online. You know, when I, I worked with a lot of um, high school athletes when I was at a newspaper in my former life, we knew that you didn't post during school day to try to get their attention because they're not allowed to have their phones out. When school ends at three o'clock, they're all over the social media. So we knew that that was a good time to post and catch their eyes. And then after after school activities uh, was a good time. So just know who you're aiming at and when they're up and when they might have a free moment to flip through their phone. I think from a social media standpoint, I encourage people to, to, to check with MPCA. We have a lot of, we'll put email banners, we'll put social media post content, we'll put different resources that people can use. So if you're exhibiting at the Precast show, we have lots of digital assets you can use to promote that. Uh, Precast days as well. Here in the next month, we'll have digital assets that users can come in and, hey, I'm promoting my Precast days event. And that way you don't have to create it. You just cut it, download it, make a few edits, and push it out. Mm-hmm. So I think that that helps streamline the process too. Yeah, that certainly makes it easier. Uh, and if you're looking to make your own content, Canva is a great platform. Um, even their free platform is got everything you need to make a simple post. Uh, if you want to advertise something that's going on at your plant or a job posting, um, it's a really easy free resource to use. Canva, C-A-N-D-A? Correct. Okay. All right, Tom. Well, I think we've uh, given people a lot of good data to go over. Uh, any thoughts you want to leave everybody with? I think um, it's just keep it simple. You know, don't overthink it and try to do too much. Balance that with the resources you have and the audience that you have in front of you. And then you can just, you can build as you get momentum. But, you know, start small, build fast. Then I think you'll be successful in what you're doing. That's our show. We hope you enjoyed it and can take some ideas from it back to your place of work. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating to help us reach more people both inside and outside of our industry. See you next time on Breaking the Mold.